Ah, new season. It's summer. You guys feeling that already? Summer, June, when you turn the calendar to June, it's like a new rhythm, a new approach happens in life, and, and it just feels good. Any of you heading out to the mountains by chance? Anyone going to the mountains? No, a couple of you. All right, how many of you prefer mountains over beach? Beach over mountains? You don't care. You just want to go somewhere. <laughs> That's the rest of us, right? We've been locked up long enough. And by the way, it's so great to see your smiling faces, to, to have the masks optional, and uh, we're so glad to, again, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been so awesome in this past year of just helping navigate us through all the ups and downs and closing and opening and masks and no masks and distancing. I've heard horror stories from some other pastors and other churches and what that's caused Meadow Park. I'm glad to say you guys have been Unbelievable, thank you so much. I mean, I'm serious, been unbelievable and we're, we're making it through. So it is good to see you, but we are here in this new time and a new season. And it is interesting how summer changes that rhythm for us and, and how that can help us get a different perspective. And the mountains are calling, like you wanna go to the mountains. And, and I, I, you know, having been in Arizona, I miss the mountains. We had mountains right out our backyard. I could go hiking and so sometimes we go in search of the mountains. It's a little bit harder here in Ohio, but uh, on Memorial Day, we went to Great Seal State Park. I don't know if you've heard of Great Seal State Park, north of, uh, or it's just down by Chillicothe. Apparently, where the seal of our state of Ohio in that area was, was the, the scene was captured. And we heard that it's one of the, the best like, elevation gains in the state, and it's, a, it's about four or 500 feet elevation gain. So it's not a lot, but it's about a quarter mile and, and, and fairly straight up, so it was good. We kind of felt a little burn on that, and then we thought we'd see a nice view at the top. And it was nice up top, but it was all trees and dense forest, and you couldn't really see very far. But it was a nice, it was, it was really nice, it is nice to get out on the mountains. And, and it makes me think, uh, too, back in, in, in Arizona, a place we'd always loved to go was a, a place called Willow Creek Cabin that we'd rent out. And it was in Prescott, Arizona. And no, I'm not mispronouncing it. If you're, it, Ar the Arizonans call it Prescott. Anywhere else in the country, they call it Prescott, but it's Prescott. And in Prescott, up in the mountains, this, this cabin was just a great place to get away. Um, it was uh, probably about, I don't know, four or 5,000 feet elevation, and then there was mountains still around that, and there was a creek running through, and there were some places we could would climb. And what made that place so great was that um, we didn't have Wi-Fi, and we didn't have cell reception. <laughs> And those were two ways to unplug. So if I had to call, I had to climb up to a high peak somewhere and then try to get a signal and hope I could, you know, let my wife know what's going on. And, but I used to love to get away a couple of times a year. Sometimes we do it as a family. Uh, other times, and I still try to do this two, three times a year, get away for some message planning or some sermon planning or just some personal retreat to, to renew and refresh. And the mountains are a great way to do that. Some years ago, I think, I, I think it was Mark Batterson who said it, but I've kind of ad adopted it and taken it on. He said, change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. And so that's what the summer does for us. Thank you, that was, that was wonderfully timed, actually. <laughs> the summer does that for us. It's a change, of, it's a change of, of, of the pace. All of a sudden, even if you've been normally functioning a certain way, the pace changes in the summer. Things are different, and so we... we, we, we kind of feel a different rhythm. And then if you also change the place and you go to somewhere else and you, and, and you get away to the mountains or the beach or just the quiet place, don't you start looking at your life a little differently. You can see some things differently. Your mind gets cleared. And that's what we wanna do throughout the summer. We wanna go to the mountain. We wanna go to the Sermon on the Mount that we're gonna be talking about where Jesus uh, went with his disciples, with his followers, with the crowds following onto the mountainside and he began to help them change their perspective. I mean, imagine if we literally could spend three, four days or a week or a summer with Jesus on the mountain. Don't you think we'd come back changed? 
I mean, if you went every day and you went up to the mountain, you didn't have Wi-Fi, you didn't have cell reception, and, and you just talked to Jesus about your life, and he talked to you about things that were important and, and what it meant to be a, a, per, you know, a follower in the kingdom of God, you'd come back with your, with your mind transformed. There'd be some uncomfortable truths, some powerful truths, but we'd be changed, and that's exactly what we wanna do. We have this great message, the Sermon on the Mount that's been stored and preserved for us through the, in the Bible. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we get to hear in these teachings of Jesus. So every week throughout the summer, we're gonna, we're gonna climb the mountain together. We're gonna listen to Jesus, and then we're gonna come back and live that out, and we're gonna allow God to transform us and use the summer as an opportunity to really get into the Sermon on the Mount. Sound good? Let's do that. Whether you're here, whether you're online, if you're traveling, you can always join us, uh, again, online and be a part of that. I encourage you to read the Sermon on the Mount, maybe even multiple times, maybe once a week. That becomes part of your rhythm just to get these words in us because they're so powerful and life-changing. Today, I wanna begin with part one, and I wanna look at an upside-down kingdom. An upside-down kingdom. Really, this is just the setup for the whole series. It begins the first part of the, the sermon, but the whole, the whole series, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about an upside-down kingdom. And today, we're gonna begin by looking at blessings in this upside-down kingdom. So you ready to get into this? We good? Let's go. Let's go on a hike. Let's go on the mountain. Let's do this. All right. Well, when we turn the pages to the New Testament, we begin with the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. And as we begin in the New Testament, we see this introduction of this unique birth of a child the coming Messiah, the future king, who's gonna transform all of Israel and, and, and the world. And so we're introduced to this, this new person on the scene. And as this new person arrives, we understand it's Jesus and he's the one that, that is the, the coming Messiah. And so we start seeing him come about and at the same time we see John the Baptist, who's the last of the Old Testament prophets, the last of the old prophets, who's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. There's one coming who's even greater than I am. And so we're seeing this transition happening from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the new teachers, and here is this new Messiah, this new would-be king. And people are confused, they don't know a lot about that, but he's, he's sharing a message, and if you wanna see a quick summary of his message, we're gonna look at two verses here, actually in chapter four, for context, before we get into the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew four seventeen, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. There's a summary for Jesus' preaching. That's what he did. He'd go around, repent, turn around, change your direction. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom. He's talking about this kingdom. What is this kingdom of heaven? A few verses later, verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogue. So he was teaching. He's this new king, this new prophet. What's he teaching? Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. What's he proclaiming? The good news of the kingdom. What is this kingdom? What's this kingdom all about? Well, you know, when you think kingdom, everybody has a way of which we understand. Every human being understands kingdom. From the time of the Old Testament through today, we understand kingdom. We, we know what kingdom means. And think about the listeners there. They knew kingdom. What kingdom were they subject to at the time? The Roman Empire. If you want to study one of the great kingdoms in the history of the world, it's the Roman Empire. Right, and what they, they understood kingdom themselves. They had King David, King Solomon. We just studied Nehemiah where there was, you know, where different kings and wars and walls being built. What is kingdom? Every one of us knows kingdom. Kingdom is about power. Kingdom is about wealth. Kingdom is about control. Kingdom is about influence. Kingdom is about getting things to go your way. Kingdom is about hierarchy and resources. 
We see it today played out in politics all around us. This is still the way the world works. It's about kingdom. And here's what I think happens to all of us, whether we like it or not. We chase kingdom and are influenced by it our entire lives. Some sort of kingdom, we're influenced by it, we chase it, this, this idea of kingdom. And, and, and in America, we go, well, you know, we're a, we're a you know, democratic republic, we're a democracy. What does that mean? Well, we have capitalism. And we have our own kingdoms, we try to build kingdoms, right? We try to build wealth. And all of us try to build the American dream, the pursuit of happiness. These are all kingdom types of things that we try to build, whether it's, if it's not the political kingdom, it's our own kingdom. Got our own little house, our own little yard. You try to have your own you know, chariots, your vehicles, and, and you know, you've got servants, your children, you've got other things you know, around. Uh, you know. We try to build these kingdoms. But kingdom thinking is all throughout, and, and, and wherever you go, kingdom, we, we recognize that if you're a student in school, you know, who, who's popular, who gets to say so, who gets to you know, have influence, who gets the better grades, who gets into certain colleges, right? And when we're in, when we're in uh, you know, as we're adults, Kingdom in all these different areas. Your neighborhood is a little kingdom. Like I said, your family's a kingdom. Where you work, there's a kingdom thinking going on. Even in the church, there's kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking is in so many different places because that's how we see so much of the world working. And so they understood kingdom and, and kingdom and who's important. And so now these, these, these followers, they're listening to Jesus teaching about the kingdom. Well, what kingdom is he talking about? What does this look like? And, and as we know, even in reading the rest of the New Testament, many hope that Jesus would establish an earthly kingdom, that he would come and he would set up his throne in Jerusalem and that he would rule and reign. And so they wanted to get, you know, jump on the coattails of Jesus and be a part of this, this kingdom. Maybe he's gonna be the one now that's gonna do this for us. But here's the thing. Jesus taught a different kind of kingdom. He taught an upside-down kingdom. And so what we're about to see and what we're about to hear is a different way the world works. I don't know if you've ever, if you've heard about the show Stranger Things or if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, Stranger Things, there's a world that exists and then there's an upside down. And it's a parallel to the world above, but it's kind of a dark and, and difficult world and some not so good things happen in that world. Well, in this idea of upside down kingdom is we can live in this kingdom, in this world, and yet when our eyes are opened and when we follow Jesus Christ and we see the truths of scripture, we live in an upside-down kingdom, and the world begins to work different in the kingdom of God, and, and so we're about to learn what this looks like. And so then Jesus begins, and we look at Matthew chapter five, verse one and two. Matthew says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, again, all these crowds that were following him, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So one more, a couple more pieces here about this context, right? He goes up on a mountainside, and we think that's just maybe incidental, and I had never uh, recognized this before, and, and, and one theologian or person I was reading said that this is actually a parallel or could be taken as a parallel to the Old Testament. Because remember, Jesus is the first of the, or the last of the prophets. He's in the New Testament, but you think the prophets of the Old Testament, the great prophet. Who's the great prophet in the Old Testament? The greatest prophet was, it was considered Moses. Moses. And Moses, what he did is what he, he, when he um, went up a mountain, didn't he? He went up to Mount Sinai. And when he went up to Mount Sinai, what did he come down with? He came down with the law, with the tablets. And that established the people for generations to come. That was the law. And now in the New Testament, Matthew seems to maybe be paralleling this idea of now Jesus goes up on a mountainside. And he now begins to teach in a new way. And as he talks about this upside-down kingdom, as we'll see in the weeks to come, too, you've heard it said 
but I tell you. He's saying there's a new day, there's a new way of looking at the law and of life. And so they're on this mountainside, and, and, when, and on this mountainside, the law and the way life works is gonna be revealed. And so he's on the mountainside, and these crowds have followed him. Let me ask you this question, who are these crowds? Who's in this crowd? What are these people? Who has, has time in the middle of a day just to go listen to Jesus? Are they work? Are they, do they not work? Are they unemployed? What's happening here? These were the common folks, common people. Because remember, they were in the Roman Empire. The, the, the ones who were important, the ones who had uh, positions of authority and power, who worked for the government, who, who worked in finances, they weren't probably on that mountainside. The religious elite, the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, the priests, they weren't there because they were at the temple. That's where the center of, of faith was. They didn't have time to go out to the mountainside to listen to some, some guy teach. Now later on, as they saw his popularity grow and his influence grow, they, they began to listen in and lean in. But at this time, who was there? It was those who were unimportant. Those who didn't have a, have, have a role in, in the kingdom of, of, of Rome. Jesus, as I said earlier, he was healing and, and he was casting out demons. So it was those who were broken, who were hurt. It was fishermen, it was ordinary folks, it was day laborers who were coming to hear about this kingdom and, and what is this good news about the kingdom? And so they follow Jesus up to this mountainside and we get to join in, we get to sit in now and we get to listen to Jesus as he begins his teaching, his message here. Matthew chapter five, beginning at verse three. And he begins by pronouncing a blessing on his listeners. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Interesting way to begin a sermon, isn't it? What do you mean, Jesus? What? And I don't know if you've read the, you know, this before or if you've come across what's called the Beatitudes, which means just in Latin, the, the, the blessings. You know, do they make sense? It's kind of strange. Why, why, why are these the blessed? And, and then this, the, you know, we should probably even, all Christians here in America, we should highlight those last couple of verses. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Now, we, we're so, some of the Christians that, are around and on social media are some of the most offended and, and, and defensive people in the world. What? You're, you're against me? You're taking things away? Jesus is saying, rejoice and be glad. Be full of joy. Why are we so angry all the time? Right? I mean, Jesus is saying if things in the kingdom are, are, are we're going to live that out differently, we're going to face some opposition. But before I get ahead of myself here on that, it's an interesting way to begin with blessings, isn't it? These blessings, now, in, in that culture, in that time, it wasn't unusual to begin with a blessing. And even when we do our worship services here, we say, welcome to Meadow Park, we're so glad you're here. And, and we try to you know, create that environment. Jesus here, in a much deeper way, is speaking these blessings, as others have done. But the way he speaks these blessings is, is unique, it's different. It's not necessarily what you would expect. It's not what, what the people probably back then expected. Because what, is, what does it mean to be blessed? 
to be healthy, to be wealthy, to have power. That, that, that's the blessings. You would expect maybe Jesus to say, blessed are you when people respect you. Blessed are you who are given the seat of honor at the table. Blessed are you who have leadership and authority and influence. Blessed are you who, are, who have a bounty of children and bountiful harvest and, and your vines are full and your servants are attentive. Blessed are you. That's what maybe what you would expect. That's the blessing. But that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't bless the healthy and the wealthy and the wise. He begins by saying the, the kingdom first belongs to the least of these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Stanley Hauerwas, the theologian, calls it the great surprise. The great surprise. Here's what he says. Jesus simply announces the great surprise. That these people who aren't significant or honored in their society are precisely the ones who have received the honor to be first among those called into God's kingdom. So what does it actually mean to be blessed? Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. If you're on social media, you've seen it, right? Hashtag blessed. And what does it mean to be blessed and God blesses us with good things? You know, I'm blessed, you know, someone might say, you know, at their wedding anniversary, I feel so blessed, you know, for the years God's given us. I'm blessed by my children. But we're also blessed, we see a lot of hashtag blessed, right? Got a new car, hashtag blessed. Got the new job, got the promotion, hashtag blessed. Of course, we've all seen the beach picture, right? The feet and flip-flops, the sand, the surf, the sun, the tropical drink in hand, hashtag blessed. <laughs> Right Now these are blessings, of course, those are great things and things, we, see, we hear all good things come from the Father above. We give God thanks for everything that we have, but at the same time, you kinda go, are these the blessings? Is this what it means to be blessed? Can people experience these things without being followers of Jesus? I mean, there's people who don't go to church, there's people who don't have faith, there's people who don't read scripture, there's people who teach against it, who are living blatantly counter to that, and they can have some of the stuff, don't they? You can be blessed. Now again, God blesses both, you know, he blesses all people. He sends the rain on the good and the evil, the scripture says. So we, blessings do come from God, but is this what it means to be blessed? And what if these blessings are taken away? And what if, what if you're a devout, faithful follower of Christ? I mean, come on, you're all here and there's the memorial tournament happening here in Dublin. I mean, you are obviously committed. You're faithful, you get the gold star, right? You're here. But you come to worship, you, you read your Bible, you pray, you've given your heart to God. You've surrendered to him, you live out your life, you share that testimony, you're living in obedience to Christ and the joy uh, of Jesus, and yet your marriage still falls apart. And your son or your daughter is addicted to something. You lost your job. You're in debt and don't know how to even get out. Your car breaks down beyond repair. You've got all kinds of challenges. You, you get diagnosed with cancer. Someone you love and is dear to you just dies way too soon. I don't see anybody putting hashtag blessed on that. Can we still be blessed when we go through the difficulties, when we go through the fire, when we go through the challenges, what does it mean to be blessed? How have we mistaken blessings in our day and age for, for these material things? It doesn't seem like God is blessing us. What does scripture mean? One translation of the New Testament, the English uh, Standard Version, ESV, has 112 references 
with the words bless, blessing, or blessed, none of which connects blessing to material prosperity. Boy, we love the prosperity gospel in America. And God does love to bless, but it's gotta be more, blessing has to be larger than just thinking about these things. The Greek word for blessed is makirioi, or makirios, to be fully satisfied. It says, it refers to those receiving God's favor regardless of the circumstances. That there's a blessing that happens regardless of the circumstances, that we can be fully satisfied in God. So what is blessing then? I think we can say bless. I don't say it's bad to say that we, we thank God for the good things in our life. But blessing, what if blessing is more than what's out here in front of us? And what if blessing is really what's in here? What if blessing really is what's inside of us in our relationship with God and our, and our connection to him, to our eternal heavenly father, that that would be what blessing is? that we walk in faith and that he walks with us, our heart is with him. Let's look at Psalm 119, verses one to two. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their heart. When we seek God, when he's with us, when we walk with him. Benita Risner says it this way, God's greatest blessings always rest in God himself. When we have that, we are truly hashtag blessed. When we have God, when we're in his presence, when we have the relationship with him. And so many times, that closeness comes through difficulty and trial. And so when Jesus begins with these blessings, these nine blessings, he's speaking to people in a different way, something they haven't heard before, to people who maybe don't feel like they're blessed, but he's calling us out and he's saying, here's what it means to be, to be blessed. Tim Mackey of the Bible Project says that these nine blessings are actually images of a larger image, that they're almost like parts of a stained glass window painting a bigger picture. And so we look at these different parts and we see that, that he begins with, blessed are the poor. What do you mean blessed are the poor? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I mean, this seems so counter, counter, contradictory, so counterculture. Why would the poor in spirit, even if you say, okay, it's not financial, or maybe it is financial, it is spiritual, why would the kingdom of heaven first belong to these? Doesn't the kingdom of heaven first belong to those who have the greatest faith, who've been the most devout, who've been followers of Jesus for the longest time, who write the biggest checks, who pray the biggest prayers, who, who are involved in everything? Why would Jesus make the kingdom of heaven first and foremost? He didn't go to the temple. He didn't declare it to the Pharisees. He didn't declare it to the teachers of law and the priests and the Levites. He's speaking to this crowd and he's saying, you, this is your kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom. If you're poor in spirit because there's something about the longing for God, the need for God, and maybe you're here and you're sitting here going, I don't know, I've, I've had people over the years tell me, I'm in church today, I hope lightning doesn't strike. They feel the sense of, I don't know that I'm worthy enough to be here. And maybe you're just listening in online going, I'm not sure I can even come into church yet, but I'm just listening in. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. When you understand your need for him, when you, under, when you have that longing, and then he goes on, he says, blessed are you who mourn. When was the last time you felt blessed because you're mourning for something or someone? Doesn't feel like we're being blessed, but he's saying you'll be comforted. You're gonna experience God's presence. Blessed are the meek. When was the last time the meek were blessed and acknowledged in this world? Do the meek make it in politics? Do the meek make it in hardcore business world? Do the meek make it? The meek, the meek, no, the meek get out of the way. You gotta be self-made man and woman, you gotta be strong with the meek. Why are you blessed? 
In God's kingdom, the meek are blessed, the humble are blessed, the ones who, who don't think too highly of themselves, the ones who understand maybe their lowly means or the place they're at, and they just come as they are. Sometimes it's called people that are called the salt of the earth, just good people. The meek, you will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for right relationships, those who hunger and thirst for justice. Jesus is speaking to people who maybe felt like they were just receiving the injustice day in and day out of the Roman Empire. It's not fair, it isn't right. And maybe today you're thinking, man, I just always get the short end of the deal at work, with government, maybe in legal system, maybe in, in, in social status or in your economic status or wherever it is in your world, you're going, it just isn't fair. Life isn't right. There's discrimination and there's, there's struggle and you're hungering and you're thirsting for righteousness. You're blessed in the kingdom of God. Now again, Jesus isn't saying seek out those roles where you're hungering for that, but he's saying if you find yourself in that place, know that you are blessed, that God comes alongside you and he says you will be filled. The injustice that's giving you the short end of the deal, Christ will come in and he will fill that for you. Blessed are the merciful acts of mercy, not grand gestures, not when we hear about the Bill Gates and the Jeff Bezos and whoever they are that, are, that maybe give millions and billions, and those are great things that can be done, but it's those merciful acts, those small, unnoticed things that you're doing each and every day in the places where maybe nobody sees that you're gonna receive the blessing because God sees what you are doing. You will be shown mercy when you give mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, not seeking attention, not looking for false motives, it's just, just who you are. And then this confounding kind of weird way to end, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are you when people make up stuff about you, when they mock you, when they make fun of you, when they spread rumors and lies about you, when you're insulted. Yay, hashtag blessed. I mean, it's like, Jesus, this is hard stuff. I mean, if I was sitting with Jesus on the mountain, I'd be like, help me, I'll unpack that for me a little more, Jesus. Like, how is this blessing? He's saying, great is your reward. I think he might be saying, you know, when you follow these kingdom principles, when you live in a countercultural way, when you live and not try to gain the spotlight, when you do things behind the scenes and, and you're merciful and you're a peacemaker and you're trying to bring people together and you're humble in spirit, and even if somebody else attacks you and doesn't understand you or, 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 or just accuses you for, for being my follower, just know that your reward is coming and that you are following in this tradition of the prophets, that it really speaks to who you are and what God is doing in your life. And we living, we're living out that upside down kingdom. So what are these different panels of the stained glass window? What picture are they painting? The picture of Jesus. I've never seen this before, and so I'm thankful for smarter people than me that I get to study and bring to you what Tim Mackey said and what he discovered is, he's saying this is really a reflection of Jesus. And we look, at, we look at this image and we look at these nine blessings and we think it's not just do you, you know, are you in, in, in these situations, but do you live this out? If this is the way of the kingdom, how is that lived out? And Jesus lives out every one of these. Think about it. Was Jesus poor? Did he begin from humble beginnings? Yes. Remember that, you know, Christmas, the manger, you know, no room in the inn, you know, he was born into low circumstances. Poverty, he wasn't born into, in, into an elite family. He wasn't born into, into a elite spiritual places. 
He was, he was one of those. He mourned. He mourned for the loss of his friends, for the death of John the Baptist, but he mourned for the lostness of people, for the sin and the struggle, and he said he wept over Jerusalem, we read. He was humble. Scripture says he laid down his rights. He left heaven and became a servant to his creation. Talk about someone who was humble, laying down his status and his rights. He hungered and thirsted for righteousness. That was his message, that there would be right relationship and restoration and justice. He was full of mercy and kindness, healing and helping. His heart motives were pure. He had a pure heart, loving and compassion. He was a peacemaker, wasn't he? He was trying to build reconciliation and, and help establish right relationship with God. And what about those last couple? Was Jesus persecuted? Was he mocked? Was he lied about? Yes, yes, yes. And what was his reward? He conquered death, he conquered the grave, and he lives forever. When we look at this, we go, how do we live out the, these blessings? How do we receive these blessings? How do we understand that? Well, one, we can't do it on our own. In this world, we, don't wanna, we won't wanna spend a lot of time in this kingdom. We, we keep getting pulled into the other kingdom. But when we realize that the blessing lies here, we're gonna seek God's guidance. We're gonna seek God's help, God's love in this. So let me just ask you this question. Do you long for God's blessing? We long for God's blessing, don't we? We long to be blessed, to, to have the favor of God, for, for Jesus to come. You know, if Jesus was standing here, he says, I bless you, you're blessed. Like, we want that blessing from God. Do you feel insignificant? Do you feel powerless? Do you ever feel voiceless? You're blessed. Do you feel overlooked? Do you feel like you get the short end of the stick? Do you feel maybe forgotten? The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Do you feel like you're too poor in spirit? Oh, I don't, I could never get up there and preach, or I could never sing like that person, or I could never read the Bible, or I don't even know anything about God. I'm not even sure. I still say some bad words now and again, or all the time. I don't know. I still drink too much. I, the kingdom of heaven couldn't belong to me. No, the kingdom of heaven can belong to you. It belongs to you. Because you realize your need for God. You realize what you have in him. And when we have nothing to lose, when we, have, when we come and say, God, I'm at my end, I'm humble, I'm empty, I've got nothing left, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, this belongs to you. You're not excluded, you are included. Come and receive this kingdom. He's inviting us into that. So what about those of us who might say, well, I mean, I do have a voice. I do have influence in certain ways. I'm not poor and resources. I've got, I've got good things and blessings in my life. I don't necessarily feel poor in spirit. God is good and I'm filled with joy and those things. What, what, what do we do with this? Are we not blessed? Is the kingdom of heaven not for, for people like that? Scripture does say it's harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why is that? Because we like our kingdom. <laughs> We have nice kingdoms. If you're the kingdom mentality and you have the kingdoms and, you've, and kingdom has been good to you, you want to continue to maintain kingdom. That's a, a, that, that's a, there's a lot of comfort in that. And it's harder to let things go and to lay our lives down and to come and to surrender at the cross and to say, Jesus, I lay it all down for you. My wealth, my influence, my power, my resources, my status, whatever it is, to lay it down. We have much more to lose in that state. And that's why it's harder for comfortable Americans, middle class, upper class, to come to Christ. 
Because those very things that we count as our hashtag blessed is we think that's God's blessings and while those are good things from him, it's not the whole picture. It's the right relationship with God and when we lay that down, he offers us these same blessings to be peacemakers, to be humble, to be merciful. But every one of us, there's a great equalizer in life and that's trials and that's difficulties and that's circumstances and not a single one of us is immune from those throughout our life. And it's in those moments that we realize the things we put our hope and trust in can so quickly fade and what we thought were blessings might not even be there anymore. So what is there and how does God work? And as I thought about this message and I thought about blessing, couldn't help but think of the song called uh, Blessings. It's a song from some years ago and I'm, I've asked Roger and Karen that they would lead us in this song to just help us reflect on God's blessings and where they come from and how we can see life maybe in an upside down kingdom. The pain reminds 
I think that song really demonstrates an upside-down kingdom, a way where the difficulties, the challenges that you may be going through right now are exactly what God uses to build you and draw you closer in relationship to him. So I just wanna pray for you. I wanna pray a blessing over you. I wanna pray that God would open himself up to you. And maybe if you're struggling right now, allow that to be an avenue for God to come and to draw close to you, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't always understand the twists and the turns of life's life, the challenges, the struggles. Father, I know we all long for the blessings of being able to be on a beach and have the good relationships around us and life to go up and to the right, but God, we know that that doesn't happen always. And Father, we know that you come near, and God, thank you for your promises through the Sermon on the Mount, God, that the kingdom of heaven belongs to, to so many. God, that when we're weak, when we're broken, when we need healing, when we need restoration, when we need justice, God, when we're mourning, God, you come near and you bless us because we can hold tightly onto you. God, would you bring your peace and your comfort to any today that are struggling? Father, if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that does not have a relationship with you and says, I need to be a part of this kingdom, you welcome them with open arms. You forgive them of their sin and you allow them to walk in a new day and in a new way. Father, may we walk in this journey together. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna ask you to stand and we're gonna close with a blessing. And I want us to bless one another and I want you to receive the blessing and sing this together.